uh, I saw this awesome uh, crab on on a documentary that goes to the beach and he like eats sand and gets all the parasite all the little critters out of it and makes this bubble out of sand and spit and then he like puts it down and kicks it behind him and grabs more sand and these guys just like cover a whole freaking beach to where the the entire beach is covered in beads of sand cool this week's major spoilers podcast weekend type edition is brought to you by Stephen Larson, who entertained us all those years with those cute little pictures of cows and ducks and guys in lab coats with weird thick glasses. This one comes to you, Stephen, from the far side. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. I've been listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast. 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to this edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could join us. Hello, future people! I've been on my zombie kick again. That's too bad. As is often happens, I'll start watching a zombie show, Mm -hmm. and then of course it triggers all the zombie dreams, Mm -hmm. which means I can't sleep for weeks because they're all about zombies killing people. Can't sleep, zombies will eat me. Zombies will eat me if I fall asleep. I don't know, I can't remember if we've had this discussion before, but how does the zombie plague spread? By bitiness. Okay, so if you die, but you don't get bitten by a zombie. Mm-hmm. So you're an alive person, Rodrigo, and right. you don't get bit by a zombie. And we're having a, a tussle over, this world is mad, I tell you, mad! And we have a tussle over a gun and I shoot you. Right. Do you come back as a zombie? I think that that's that's a universe thing. I think it depends on what zombie universe you live. Okay. So what? Where does it? how does it work in your zombie universe? Um... I think it depends what what you're going for. I don't really really have a zombie universe because I, I really feel that the zombie has been done to death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pun intended, I suppose. <laughs> um, so I guess the one what I prefer is the the whole contagion angle, where okay. it is a bite that then gets you zombified. Because I think that the whole I, you know, because a big part of zombie fiction Mm -hmm. and a part that I do like about it is that half the deaths or more or less, depending on the movie, come from your fellow humans who are not zombies, right? Right, right. A tussle over a gun, Mm -hmm. a misunderstanding, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody grabs you and they, you know, you think they're a zombie, but they're not and you shoot them. I think that's a lot stronger when the person doesn't get back up. If the person gets back up as a zombie... Then you shoot them again. Right. And I think the gravity of that gets lost. Mm-hmm. If you're really trying to emphasize the whole like relentless zombie thing, then having people who die of non zombie causes come back makes sense. Okay. But to me, the thing that has the most power because of that scenario, because of people killing each other, mm-hmm. is them not coming back as zombies. Okay. What about you, Matthew? How does the zombie plague work in your universe? Well, I'm kind of a purist, so I like to think of the uh, George Romero version as my primary zombie uh, Mm -hmm. touchstone. Mm -hmm. And in the Romero-verse, 
basically, there's two kinds of dead people. There's the ones that walk around and the ones that get eaten. And sometimes you're dead before you get eaten and sometimes you're not. So every time we saw somebody murdered, if we just look at Night of the Living Dead, Johnny, at the beginning, gets his head caved in on a headstone, comes back. Right. Uh, At one point during the film, we see a character get shot, a zombie get shot, get up and walk away. Um, I think we see characters come rise again from gunshot wounds, from stab wounds. Uh, the little girl, I think, dies of a fever and then comes back from the dead. So mm, okay. I think as long as the brain is not destroyed, then the body can rise again using, you know, the autonomic nervous system and the boom, boom. So it's a it's something in the air or some crash satellite radiation. As long as nothing interferes with the Martian radiation, okay, to the brain, then it becomes obvious. As long as there's nothing, because you you know they're dead, they're they're all messed up. But if you shoot them in the head, they go down pretty quick. Yeah, I guess I don't like that when the two two universes mesh or bump into each other. Because I was watching a zombie, an anime zombie series, not too long ago this past week, not too long ago. And, and I'm always interested in how does it spread, right? Because if it's something in the air, then it doesn't matter if you're alive. You're kind of in that walking dead scenario where we are the walking dead. Right. Um, but in, in this, in this series, um, the dead start rising and it's a plague that's all over the world. Like instantly within 24 hours, like the world is in chaos. Right. But there is the question of, in one scene, uh, there are these uh, military ships out in the middle of the ocean, which presumably, we don't know how, but one of the ships is overtaken by the zombie plague. Mm-hmm. How is that possible if, okay. there's, if there's not a, a person who's been bitten out there already on the ship? Previously in the series, we saw somebody get stabbed, a, a normal person get stabbed, and he doesn't come back from the dead. So it's not like somebody had a fight on the ship and died and then they came back as a zombie, and the bitey bitey started happening. And so it's almost like, right. how did how did that patient get onto the boat right, to cause right. the breakout? Well, Gotta there's be some always sort of, some sort of vector that we didn't see. Yeah, and that's something that's oh, not explained. Yes, you know, and, they may have the picked vector, up, a, and the vector is often bad writing. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Although it could be that that's true. It could be that there was a ship that was in trouble, and they went to assist, and they had somebody on board that then et cetera. But we don't see that part in the, um, in, the in the show. Twenty eight days later. I saw the I saw some of the extra features on on the DVD, and mm-hmm. they were talking about this thing where they the the heroes get to the city that they're going to, right? And you know, there's that scene where the dad gets like a single oh, drop yeah, of drop blood and, and, and rage. And yeah. and originally, what they were gonna do with it, and and please, all all you guys who are like, well, those guys aren't actually dead, so they're not actually zombies. They're zombies for the purpose of yeah, the discussion. Argue, they're sure. they're zombies, right? Um. The originally what they were going to do was give him a transfusion and have like basically the hero take on like Cillian Murphy, I think was the right. main character, um, take the zombie blood and give his blood to the dad. And then as the writers were writing it, they were like, this doesn't make any sense. If a single drop of blood turns you into a zombie, all he'd be doing would be turning both of them into zombies. Right, right, right. Right. So you need to maintain that cohesion and they figured it out and eventually they were like well no there's nothing they can do mm-hmm. like this this is just not the way that this can end mm-hmm. um i read a script for a really bad zombie movie that was gonna get made but i think the studio crashed before it was gonna get made where 
the thing that turned people into zombies Mm -hmm. was rain. Like something happened and something was released into the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and then anytime it would rain and people who were out in the rain would get turned into zombies. And as I was flipping through it, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that you can keep your main character dry throughout this whole thing. If he stays inside. But that's where the zombies come in and chase you. Like, characters have to move between buildings in zombie movies. Well, they have to, sure. Otherwise, it's boring. And and if, yeah, exactly. And if it's water that turns Rain you into sticker, a zombie. Like the Gordon's Fisherman. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, I'm sure that Gordon's Fisherman gets a droplet or two in his beard and then it's game over, man. <laughs> so how do zombies then... And again, there's a lot of questions brought up by this uh, this uh, anime series. How do zombies uh, track you down? Mm. How do they do it in your universe, Rodrigo? Um, I've read there's a there's a great role playing game called All Flesh Must Be Eaten. It's always about role playing, isn't it? Um, hey, <laughs> no, let me hear. It. Let me flesh flesh must be eaten, right? Um, which you uh, might be familiar with from WoW. Yes. Um, they but, actually had a zombie outbreak in WoW. Yeah, they did. Actually, you know, the whole, like, WoW was accidentally a great, exa- and, mm-hmm. a, a great example of how the zombie plague would spread. Right. Um, you log in and you're, you're yep. a zombie. Yep. You log in and your character automatically dies. dies. And if your character is high enough level, a big enough badass to survive, you move to another zone to get away from it and you mm-hmm. infect that whole other zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is amazing. That is something that has never happened before. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what you're referencing or what we're referencing, I don't remember what it's actually. Uh, just called. go to uh, World of Warcraft Zombie Apocalypse and you'll right. find it. They have videos on it where you can actually see the plague spreading. Yep. You can read accounts of it, etc. Um. Anyway, back to uh, my super cool role playing game. <laughs> um, All flesh must be eaten. Is a a role-playing game that's all about zombies. So right. it it studies and takes apart the zombie genre and lets you pick and choose what parts you like. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they have is basically like scent the living, mm-hmm. where a zombie basically has a radius, and if you are within that radius, they know that you're there. Mm. Okay, um, and that is just a mystical sense that they have to okay. track down the living. Um, I've always found that interesting. Again, it, it, it depends on what you are trying to emphasize. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, well, these characters are clever and with their cleverness, they would get through it. Mm-hmm. Then you can't have that because then the zombies would be too powerful. Right. Right. Even their cleverness could not get them around and the zombies could just sense them. Like you're Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. The characters get around by being clever yeah, and sometimes be by being stupid. Right. Right. So if the zombies could just tell, that would all be undone. Right. So it really depends what kind of story you're trying to tell. Um, personally, I guess if I was going to put a movie together, I would I would certainly consider that. If it was just zombie like, sense. right, if the zombies were supposed to be so overwhelming, and of course, if I made a zombie movie, it would be that thing where the, you don't know what causes zombies, right? That it's immaterial. Yeah. I, how the yeah zombies that always still started. bothers me. That's the one thing that I'm always wanting to find out. And that's mm-hmm. what, one of the nice things about 28 Days Lady, again, not a zombie movie, but one of the nice things about yeah, how the zombie, zombie plague movie. spread in 28 Days Later it's was, easy. you know, the blood. The, mm-hmm. the the rage virus that right, got right. that got unleashed. So I like that. But how would you would use zombie sense? I think I might. I would I would really have to consider it. And it's the sort of thing where I would possibly get halfway through the movie and then uh, of writing the movie and then say, you know what, you really can't have the zombies just automatically know where you are. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matthew? How do zombies know where you are in your zombie universe? 
I kind of like the Bob Kirkman theory that they smell you and you smell mm. different. Okay. Because um, it gives you that, that great scene where, you know, Rick and the kid are able to just walk amongst them covered in guts yeah, and gore. Guts. And it's only when it starts raining that all hell breaks loose. Yeah, that's what um, it's what's not her face really used to do. Something that, it's not really something that I think matters in the greater term, in the greater scheme of things. Except in as much as what kind of story you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're you're in the uh, Dawn of the Dead reboot universe, where all the zombies swarm around the living people in the mall, regardless of you know they don't know anything other than there's people. Well, and I, I think that food. I don't think that in that in that movie that they that the zombies sense that there's people in there. I think they try to explain it about why are they congregating at the mall? Why aren't they congregating across the street at the gun shop or down the street at whatever? And it had to be, I think they tied it into like commercialism or something well, that were all zombies and the zombies came to the mall because that, that's what they knew. Yeah. The meta statement living. is the meta statement is that the, right, the right. actual, and maybe some character articulates it, but the thing was zombies when not chasing after the living, right. kind of just do the things that they are used to. Mm-hmm. So they all walk towards the mall because that's mm-hmm. what there is to do in that town. Right, 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 right. Is there another way that you like it working, though, besides smell or besides uh, that's what they're used not to? Not really, because I haven't really thought about it. I mean, if, if you see the later Romero films, like uh, Diary of the Dead, I think mm-hmm. it is, where they, the zombies aren't a problem until you actually start interacting with them. Yeah. So let's say, you know, you see that strange creature walking up and until the crazy deaf Amish guy blows it up, you don't even realize it's a zombie. It doesn't know what's up with you, but it sees you and it's going to come check you out. And if it gets a chance, it's going to take a bite out your face. Mm-hmm. The one you know, that it, it, it depends on whether you want an unstoppable wave, a phalanx, right, right. if you will, of zombie madness mm-hmm. or whether you think it's scarier to have, you know, a soul creature coming at you my problem with 28 days later is too much explanation because if you look at the rage virus it apparently takes about 30 seconds to infect you with madness and right you know turn you into a blood a blood soaked fiend i mean it touched that guy what his eye for like a split second Mm -hmm. how virulent does something have to be and how can it be you know transferred that quickly and not be universal not be ubiquitous within you know hours right how do you overcome something that's that virulent? And in that tiny amount, I mean, you could put that much arsenic in your eye and have very limited negative effects. I will take your word for that, Matthew. Hmm. You don't have to. Your eyes are falling off by the Yeah, cells. they are. Man, today the eyes are really yeah, good. Uh, um, in this poorly written anime series, um, it's by zombie. sound. So you could touch a zombie and the zombie wouldn't feel it. Right. Um, you could. Uh, but the minute that you that you could walk by them and if you didn't make a sound, they wouldn't sense you. They don't have zombie sense and they certainly don't smell you. But if you made a sound, they start migrating towards that sound. And that's also kind of what happens in The Walking Dead, where you fire a gun and that signals the zombies to we don't know what that sound is, but let's start migrating right, right, to right. that. And zombies start following other zombie until you get the zombie horde. And I guess the idea behind the sound is I could make a sound here and run 500 yards in the other direction and the zombies would all still congregate over here sure. as opposed to where I'm at over there. The problem, though, is, of course, that there are zombies in every direction. So you right. would meet one wave of zombies at right. least. Right, 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 right. 
the problem with, and they didn't explain I, it in in this in this series, is suddenly the characters are starting to be swarmed by zombies, and they're like, "Well, we're we're not even making any sounds. How are they How are they tracking us down?" And that was kind of problematic. But I did kind of like the idea of sound being that attractor. Yeah. So, uh, but when they screwed it up halfway through, going, "Well, why Why are they following us now?" And the only reason why I thought sound might be better than sight, obviously, because the eyes go pretty uh, opaque when somebody dies, at least in zombie movies. Uh, so the eyes are out. Uh, I thought olfactory smell would be out because... They don't breathe. They don't breathe. Uh, and same way with touch because their skin is dead. And so the only thing that would be still kind of working in a zombie brain would be the little bones in the ear that keep uh, keep the sounds thumping, thumping, thumping to the brain. Even though they may not be able to understand the difference between a dog barking and someone firing a gun, they still hear that sonar and, and kind of head in that direction. So I can, I can see well, that. Also, about, you know, you have to, I can see that about as much as any other zombie. Yeah, yeah, explanation. Yeah. I, I mean, sure, I think sure. too much about the zombies for whatever reason. And we've talked about that before. And yet you, you have to, you really have to accept that any zombie apocalypse is relatively <laughs> short term in nature because right. I mean, the, 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 the decay level of human, Anatomy is such that six, seven days or the first real good cold snap are going to end this thing like flat. And as new people die, you may get new zombies, but you're not going to have, you know, an eternal zombie horde simply because of the fact that these things are going to be falling apart within hours because they're, they, they're literally going to be, you know, just meat puppets floating around. I always love the, um, the Tales of the Zombie series that Marvel did in the 70s, a black and white book, where they tried, and I'll grant them, they tried to be really, really spiritually, you know, thoughtful about voodoo, mm-hmm. voodooine, whatever it is, as a, as a religion. And so they tried to be really thoughtful about it, and it ended up, you know, being worse than it ever would have been if they were just like, we're going to have killer zombies. But the zombie was actually held together by the power of, you know, extra-dimensional spirits, the oh, Loa, yeah, yeah. some sort of spirituality, which kept him from falling apart. And, you know, he would die and he would catch fire and people would cut off limbs and he would, you know, he would basically be sewn back together in his sort of template zombie form by the power of the Loa, these spirits from another dimension. So that, to me, I think was kind of nice in that it has an explanation Mm-hmm. for how the character managed to walk around for more than 16 hours. The website, Were You Wondering, has the question, how long does it take for a body to decompose? The skin takes on a cottage cheese-like appearance and happens between four and ten days after death. The, the liquid leaks out of, out of the soil, uh, and on, presuming the body's on the ground, mm-hmm. and attracts insects. Between 20 and 50 days after death, the bu- body begins to dry out. All of the remaining flesh is consumed by insects. Maggots can no longer feed on the dry body because they can't through, uh, chew through the uh, tough tissue. This is where the beetles take over and chew through tendons and ligaments. Between 50 and 365 days after death, moth and bacteria consume the hair. All that's left is the bone. Ugh. And the bone can last Thank indefinitely. You, I know, pretty good. You gruesome. can just rock me to sleep tonight, <laughs> Jack Wagon. Well, so so how long? Matthew, you're saying seven days after the zombie apocalypse breaks out, all I have to do is stay in my house for a week, be really quiet, and then I can go about my business. No. No, you'll be eaten first. No, not me. 
I've got it all planned out. No, it's a zombie story. Past episode. You're, you're, you know, you have, you have to understand, Stephen. Your day job makes you symbolically you know one of the first I people to thought be about. Eaten. No, I the thought about that of today. Education fall first. I thought about that the today as I was walking to lunch. As I was walking to lunch, I was like, "Could I make it from my office to my car without attracting zombies?" And as I walked out the building, I started to pay attention to who was around and what was around. There were two people, and they were far off. Unless they're the rage running zombies, right? I could easily just take a leisurely stroll and get in my car and drive off or drive over them. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> la 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 la. Hello, zombie over there. La 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 la. Boop boop. Boom. They're not a human. That's the end of the zombie. You're probably not a human. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do you have to outlast? Uh, the, how long do you have to wait before the zombie plague is over? Um, I'm twelve minutes. Yeah, one hour and twenty five minutes was a, before there credits. Was a great, I think it was an XKCD comic where I was like patient zero, and this guy goes like blah blah blah, blah <laughs> and they just like they they're running and they're go, they're gonna shut the door on him, and they shut the door on him, mm-hmm. and he just gets trapped inside this vault, and the other guy's like, "So you want to go get something to eat? <laughs> All right." <laughs> And that's it. The zombie apocalypse <laughs> never happens because patient zero is kept indoors. There you go. Um, I I don't. You know, I really most of the zombie movies that I have seen are apocalyptic. Right? There's no way. Mm-hmm. Like the zombie apocalypse is going to end the human race. There might be scattered pockets that make it, but that's outside of the scope of the story. Right. Right. Anyway. Right. Um, twenty eight days later was actually the first one I saw where that that had a timer. Yeah, like ninety days or uh, twenty eight weeks. Right. Yeah. To, to the point where, cause, because these guys actually were alive, they would starve because they mm-hmm. can't eat, mm-hmm. um, and then they would they would all die. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I honestly, again, if I was writing a zombie movie, I, the, the, the end of the zombie apocalypse would probably be outside of the scope of it. Okay. Um, I would say probably yes. it would be a thing where... I don't know. I guess if I wanted to 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 do that, really, like just at the at the very end of it all, kick you in the balls ending, um, the the characters would realize that the human race is done, and they would, you know, probably commit start start committing suicide before they realize that no, this was only going to last exactly seventy two days and yeah, three yeah. hours. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Is and there was a great Twilight Zone episode about it was about nuclear destruction, mm-hmm. but this town got bombed. The guy was in his fallout shelter. And another person was in there with him. One of the guys freaks out, left. The other guy's in there for like 90, 80 days. He hears voices outside and thinks it's the, you know, the plague, mutants. the mutants out to get him. And he's going to go out with a bang. What he doesn't realize is all that noise that he heard was people looking for survivors because it was an isolated incident, an accident. Mm-hmm. And they've actually domed over the town with this big concrete and he's trapped in there forever. Mm-hmm. And so I would think kind of going along with your take, Rodrigo, with the zombies, it's a psychological, how do we cope when we think we're at the end of the earth? Right. I kill you. I'm about ready to kill myself. And the the uh, safety guard runs in. It's over. The plague's over. It was just a couple of weeks. And then the... Right. It turns the, out he was earth of, after all, all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you are a murderer. Yes, yes. Matthew, anything else you want to add to the length of the zombie plague or how you would t- tweak it or, or write it into your universe? I would say that the best scope of Zombie Plague mm-hmm. is a short story, oddly enough, by Stephen King. 
and it's set on a teeny tiny island in Maine. Go figure. It's a Stephen King story. What? And the, the, it's on this teeny tiny island, but the, what he does is he shows their view of the world through, you know, television and magazines and culture and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And then it breaks down to where this tiny isolated island with no way on or off if you don't have a boat is the only place where, you know, at least locally, where humanity is safe to live. And then they remember they have a graveyard. And, uh, oh, holy crap, <laughs> is it good. I highly recommend it. Um, I, I think it's in one of his short story collections. And I don't remember the name of it. Something about Maddie Pace, I think. Mm. Uh, but in any case, it's a really good one. You should check it out because there's one line that sticks with me to this day where they start talking about how Time Magazine was being sold shrink-wrapped with an orange sticker on the cover and how the color photographs of the president after being half-eaten walking through the streets of Washington, D.C., were, you know, just horrifying. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, he makes it feel so real that it doesn't matter how the zombie plague started, what started it, who started it, how long it's going to last, how they find you. All that matters is this horrible thing is happening. Mm-hmm. And there's a pregnant woman in the middle of it. And oh my God, it's awesome. There's an upcoming movie. I can't find it right now, but it's this couple go on their honeymoon to an island. It's a like very isolated, out of the way island. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly this crazy guy shows up and says, It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. I'm one of the last survivors. Now you're the last survivor. And it turns into the psychological thriller because they don't know if the end of the world has occurred and they are the only survivors or if this guy's making it up. It's coming out in theaters. I wish I could find it. Um, what the name of it is called. I don't think it's, it's Paranormal Activity 6 and 7 eighths. <laughs> Probably. Your sister is a marsupial. <laughs> <laughs> You're a marsupial. Your sister's a unitard. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Hey, my sister is a unitard. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't find the movie right now, but I guess it doesn't matter. People will know about it when it comes out. Um, So let's, we've just talked about death and zombies. Uh, Let's talk about something else that's really interesting. Sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, More specifically, um, Two issues that have go. kind you of gotten people's show. ire, and I'm sure this upcoming week when we do our live call-in show, October 4th, um, people will want to call in and talk about this as well. Uh, two issues, Red Hood and the Outlaws, mm-hmm. has uh, Corey, a Starfire, uh, dressed right. very provocatively in a little tiny bikini and going, you want to have sex? And that's got a lot of people all up upset. Mm-hmm. And the other one has to do with the final closing pages of Catwoman number one, where she and Batman get it on. Where? Rodrigo, you got a chance to read these uh, issues just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on Red Hood and the Outlaws with Sexy Starfire. Okay. Well, here, here are my thoughts on Sexy Starfire. Starfire has, I believe, from her very beginning, been eye candy. Been sexy. Yes. Um, Correct. And and I came to this because I found stuff online where people were saying, you know what, DC Comics, I can't believe that you're doing this to Starfire. All of us that grew up watching the Teen Titans cartoon, now we were picked up the new 52 because we thought, hey, here's a comic that has Starfire in it. We love Starfire. And she's a whore. Right? So 
I was interested to see this and see how they were portraying her. And, and basically, I have two thoughts. Yes, this Starfire is different from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. But this is Starfire being what Starfire has always been, which mm-hmm. is to say a, a pair whore? of orange breasts. Oh, okay. Um, and the second thing is the the thing that makes me uncomfortable about this is the amnesia. Like, she doesn't remember her past. Mm. It's It seems just way too convenient. It, it, it looks like somebody came in and said, well, you know what? It's pretty clear what Starfire has always been. Right. So this this innocent girl thing doesn't work. But there's no way, no way that we can write this believably for her to turn from, you know, a, a sweet and naive thing that everybody remembers, even if she has changed throughout her history. Mm-hmm. To uh, 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 a hoochie mama. Right. Um, so we'll just give her amnesia. Right. That just seemed a little too easy for me and mm-hmm. is, is honestly the only thing that annoyed me out of it. Had they found an, a, a, an honest way for her to say, you know what, in, in Tamarind or wherever the crap I'm from, <laughs> we do things this way. And I really want to start living like an earth girl. And one of those ways is to be a hoochie mama. Right. Then I would be more okay with that. As opposed right. to like, no, I don't remember so any of my old friends. Parties. Yeah. I don't remember any of my old friends that meant so very much yeah, to me. She used to get Let's on. Let's do it. Yeah. She used to get on with Dick all the time yep. back when, back in the, the Nightwing days or back in the Teen Titan Richard days. Richard Grayson. Let's, let's make, <laughs> make it clear. She got it on with Richard Grayson. <laughs> she got it on with Nightwing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, so you had that. She went on the uh, Mystery in Space portion of 52 with her Adam Strange and Animal Man. And when she came back, um, she collapsed there on, on Animal Man's front door. And the little boy, the, the Animal Man's son, was like, wow, look, but, at those double, yeah, look at those double Ds. Can we keep her? And then she proceeded to walk around wearing next to nothing, you know, short shorts and tight tank tops, to the point where um, Animal Man's wife was basically accusing her of sleeping with her husband mm-hmm. at that point. And then I kind of lost track of what happened after that until we get to this. Because it took place out of 52. Yes, it did. Which is, you know, what Stephen reads. Yeah, it's great, great series. I think my problem with it is not, and with both issues, honestly, is not how dare they insert sexuality into our character. It's not even how awkwardly they inserted sexuality into our character. It's just how bad. I mean, how bad the execution is. In Red Hood, specifically, what I think they were trying for is kind of a grown-up, you know, penthouse forum, I never thought I'd be writing to you kind of world, where, you know, super cool guys and super cool girls can go and, you know, burn up hotel rooms and and do grown-up stuff and then go off and have the fighty-fighty and then come back and have more super sexy fun time. But it's done so ham-fistedly and so awkwardly especially the sequence where uh, Roy Harper is like aren't you with uh, Jason now and she's like no do you want to have sex with me you know, it, it doesn't come across even as sexy sexy starfire it comes across as robotic stoic proletariat starfire with no emotion at all and throughout the issue it's handled in a very juvenile manner her first appearance comes after a joke about uh, a pair of 38s. Who, who do we know that wields a pair of 38s and then all of a sudden Starfire's there? And I'm like, hey, well, A, that joke doesn't work 
as a pair of 38s because, you know, it, it, a broad joke and a gun joke, it didn't come together. And B, that is such a very Beavis and Butthead kind of thing to say. And then we transition to like where the girl totally wants to do it with him. And he's like, okay. That to me was just awkward. And it really brought down what could have been an interesting book. I had some, some real hope reading the first, you know, few things where it, it made me not want to strangle Jason Todd. And it made me not want to strangle Roy Harper, which is something that, you know, very seldom happens since the JT Cruel Rise of Arsenal limited series. But then they brought the Starfire thing into it, and I just felt, you know, it felt greasy. It felt unpleasant. And as for Catwoman, I will say that Catwoman as a standalone issue, as an artistic, you know, statement, worked better for me than the Red Hood. But it, too, was poorly put together. And it reminded me, did you ever, you guys don't watch Buffy, do you? Yeah, I do. Watch Buffy all the time. Rodrigo's the one okay. that doesn't like Joss Whedon. Despises Buffy, the man. Season six, Buffy starts having a dirty, dirty affair with Spike the vampire. Yeah, she does. And Spike and Buffy have a lot of sex. Now, yeah, they do. here's the thing. I am a man. I am a man with male genitalia and occasionally like to interface with female genitalia. And I know that the things that Spike and Buffy were doing are not possible. Hmm. The way that he, you know, stands behind her or she does this and he does that. Or there's one sequence where he pretends he's she's invisible and he's doing push-ups. And the human anatomy doesn't work that way. That's all that I thought throughout the last five pages of Catwoman was human anatomy doesn't work that way. They can't be doing anything unless, you know, Batman is, is you know, is basically has Plastic Man. Uh, for for his particular genitalia, or you know, Catwoman is a lot more flexible than we think. There's one sequence where she is sitting astride him, half in and out of her costume, which, by the way, has a zipper that only goes down to the navel. Mm-hmm. So getting her out of that costume means she's entirely out of that costume. So I'm thinking, obviously, they ripped it. She is sitting astride him. His chest is wider than her hips. Her hips are across her his tummy, and somehow her right leg has gone all the way around, and her right foot is visible under the left side, uh, under his left shoulder. Yeah. And her legs would have to be 65, 70 inches long to pull this off. And I'm like, even if they wanted to do sexy, sexy Batman time, this is drawn so awkwardly and just staged so cinemax after dark they can't be doing anything but making noises and banging into each other that you know i think the catwoman thing is almost a non-issue because it's pretty clear that they're not having sex because quite frankly what they're doing what they're wearing and how they're doing it they can't be having sex (laughs) it is not biologically possible we don't know if by that final page if they've actually started doing it maybe they're just you know i think i think they're supposed I, to be. That's what, and most of the costumes to, stay on. That's what that means. Yeah. Unless he has, you know, a, a reticulated uh, male member, there's no way to make that. And it, it, you know, it looks painful and it looks awkward. And at one point, she's tweaking the 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 uh, the ears on his bat helmet, and I'm like, 
Is that an erogenous zone for him? Um, I, yes. I'm not understanding how this all. It's the only thing that turns Batman on. You have to play Red with his ears, and then awesome. you you kind of have to like <laughs> jiggle the tips of his cape. See. <laughs> Red Hood was awkward like and childish, and uh, uh, but Catwoman was just kind of, I don't know, sad almost. It was like sex for people who've never had any, and as big of a nerd as I am, even I know that sex doesn't go like that, you know? When I'm the guy who's saying that that probably wouldn't work, that I'm not, you know, bought into this particular fantasy world... That's that's kind of saying something because I grew up completely in love with Lee Merriweather and you know Catwoman was a touchstone of my childhood. Catwoman and Scarlet from GI Joe I think are probably some of the the earliest women that I ever really went, "Oh, hello." <laughs> you know, but the the Catwoman issue to me while I can understand the issues of gender politics and, you know, fully support the issues of gender politics involved I'm I'm more bothered at the fact not that it's sex, not that it's you know male ethnocentric sex, not that it's kind of demeaning to Catwoman sex. It's just bad. It's bad sex, and that to me is the bigger crime. Mm, it doesn't bother me. Um. <laughs> I totally loved it. My name is Steve. No, it's not that I love it or hate it. It's just I, I don't agree with you that that position can't be done. Um, maybe not with clothes on, it can't be done. Or with, not clothes, with those on, clothes on. Yeah, not with those clothes on, it can't be done. But the position can't be done. I want to um, see someone get her leg around where her foot is. Not wild, maybe, not all the way around weird. like that, but yeah. Yeah, you know, it doesn't... it. It doesn't, I don't know, I think people get too worked up over sex. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest problem, is that people are like, oh my god, oh my god, six, 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 oh my god, look, she's wearing a purple bra under her catsuit, that's impossible, why would she be wearing a purple bra under her catsuit, that's gotta be uncomfortable, right? That's, you know, those kind of arguments are like, really, you're gonna, you're, you're, you're upset about sex, mm. but the fact that... You know, in another issue, you see a baby exploding or killing children or you see this kind of crime or this kind of comment going on doesn't bother people and people aren't getting up in arms uh, or, or just in the fact of violence. You know, just the uh, amount of violence that we see. Yeah, in comic but, books. but the whole those are, you know, those are things that are, you know, if you're not going to make a big deal over violence and you're and you are going to make a big deal over sex, then there's something wrong with the, the society. No, there isn't. Yeah, there is. No, there is. Why are we making a big deal out of sex? Because we always make a big deal out of sex we because sex to. sex is personal. Violence mm. is not. Yeah. We on a regular basis eat other animals. And they're good too. Yep. But and we have to try so hard. That. So hard. Even like Attractive people ha- who have sex a lot, they have to stay attractive, and that takes work. Mm-hmm. People try so hard to have sex. Sex is incredibly important to people. We are basically hardwired to do two things, have sex and make it so that we can have sex. That is why people get worked up over sex in comics, because our brain, everything that we are, is basically wrapped around that. Sex isn't a part of who we are. We are who we are so we can have sex. Right, 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 right. 
but I think people make it too big of a deal out that's, of it. That's that's, and I'll grant you that. But the whole sex versus but, violence, why aren't people making a bigger deal about violence? Yeah. Is because they're not the same thing. Because sex no, isn't a bad that's thing. That's really not what's happening. That is not the complaint that I'm hearing about these issues. It's not that, oh, my God, there's sex. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that it's, you know, it's demeaning. It's sexist. It's, you know, it's somehow negative on the characters themselves. And you have to be able to look at that and say, well, I can definitely see that. I mean, Red Hood and the Outlaws is about three characters, a kick-ass hero who used to be Batman's sidekick, a slightly less kick-ass hero who used to be Green Arrow's sidekick, and a girl whose basic function seems to be to make sure that the two of them have somebody to do the heavy lifting and also get their rocks off. She is not portrayed as the third member of a superhero team. She is portrayed as an inflatable love doll with zappy-zappy power. And that, to me, is, you know, that's where people are getting their problems. It's not that, you know, sex and violence should be, should or shouldn't be treated a, a specific way. I think that while Stephen definitely has a point, and you do see that argument a lot, it's not necessarily the argument we're having here. And I think, moreover, with Catwoman, it's kind of the same thing. There was a little minor controversy about the hypersexualization of the new Harley Quinn costume in yeah. Suicide Squid, Suicide mm -hmm. Squad, rather. And part of that comes from the point where people think of Catwoman, people think of Harley Quinn, people think of Batgirl as part and parcel of Batman. And when you think of Batman, you think of children. You think of Batman the Animated Series. You know, that was you think a, of Adam uh, West. Mm -hmm. You know, there was that was a that was a comment that Rodrigo and I were having earlier tonight. Uh, before you join the conversation, when you talk, when you say Batman, there are certain certain things that run through people's minds. First one is going to be Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Batman. That's probably the first thing, followed right behind by probably Adam West, Batman, Batman, the animated series, Joel Schumacher, Batman. And then maybe, maybe, maybe all the way down mid range, you might think of 1980s Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns. And then maybe all the way, 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 way down at the bottom, uh, Frank Miller's um uh, all star, yeah, all star at Batman and Robin, oh. where they're getting it on with their costumes, and then even below that, original Batman who walked around with a gun, with a gun, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way people think of things. So, you know, you're right, Matthew, in that when people think Batman, they have this hierarchy of things, and while they may not, in, in, if they don't think of uh, Bale Batman at the beginning, they're certainly thinking 1960s Batman, and 1960s Batman certainly did certainly. not do those things, at least not while the camera was rolling. Now, according to nope. Adam West, and after Ward, and yeah. after after the camera stopped rolling, it was Party Central. Right, and I think that that's something that you really have to accept. It's it's what we said about Wonder Woman so many times: is people have opinions and thought processes and beliefs about Wonder Woman that aren't based on any actual Wonder Woman comics. It's based on the feelings that they got from Linda Carter or my friend Deidre loves a Wonder Woman because she had Wonder Woman underoos 30 years ago when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. That's why she loves Wonder Woman. And she'll tell you that's why she loves Wonder Woman because she grew up pretending to be Wonder Woman running around in her underoos. So, you know, the bigger the character, the more iconic their status the more you have to realize that people are going to see those characters in ways that a story like this, even if it were done well, there would be people upset about Catwoman. Even if it were done 
incredibly. I mean, if it were, you know, Neil Gaiman and drawn by Dave McKeon, you know, with inks by Salvador Dali, there would still be people upset that this is happening with Batman and Catwoman. Whereas I think the Starfire thing is more about, wow, this is pretty demeaning to her as a character. Even if you Mm -hmm. go back to early appearances, Starfire is a very sexual character, always has been. Sure, but but it's that same thing. It is that same thing. People remember Starfire from the Teen Titans cartoon. In the Teen Titans cartoon, she was a skinny, Mm -hmm. flat fish out of water. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people immediately latched onto that. And it was a great character choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But that is not what the original Starfire was like. Certainly not the flat part. So that, that is, I think a lot of the outrage is coming from people whose first experience is like, you know, it's kind of like me. My Green Lantern is Jon Stewart. So when they announced the, the Green Jordan. Lantern movie that Hal Jordan was going to be in, I was like, well, that's dumb. Yeah. Is it is it because, let me ask you this, especially in comics, because we're seeing the sex in comics, is it because we don't normally see sex in comics that when we do see it, it, it suddenly becomes that much more shocking? Well, uh, yes and no. Because for so many years, comics it seems like were every eighty issues or so, then we see sex in comics. Well, yeah, but uh, people talk about realistically, grown-ups have sex, and while that is true, I, I let's put it this way: I grew up in a household where I was sure, I am sure now, that the grown-ups probably had some sort of sexual life. But you know what? I was not aware of it. And aside from one time, you know, when maybe my mother's second husband got liquored up and started talking to me about things that I didn't want to hear when I was 17, the fact that my mother may or may not have had a sex life never came up, never occurred to me. And so it never really crossed over to me to say, I wonder if OMAC gets it on. But when I was in college, John Byrne did that series where OMAC not only got it on, but got it on with like six or seven girls. You know, there was a moment where he showed up and the people are like, yes, to show our gratitude, here are our most beautiful women. And OMAC had, you know, uh, the best food and a tent full of women and the, the whole city rejoiced. It was probably an adolescent wish fulfillment kind of moment. And in fact, almost certainly looking back at it, it was. But I remember looking at that and going, that's kind of cool or something. I, wish I, I don't was think that Mac. sex exactly. I don't think that sex in comics is this argument, though. I don't believe people are saying, well, in Catwoman's case, some people are saying they should not be having sex because it's Batman. The Starfire thing specifically, and you know, a large portion of the Batwoman or the Catwoman, forgive me, the Catwoman complaints are about the fact that we are trying to build this 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 new take and we're saying you know these are new looks and new edges of characters that you know before and these two characters are sexually active and they are they are very sexual beings and they are sexually active and they are they are women who don't take no for an answer and they go out and they get what they want and up to a point that is something that you're like yes that seems like a good thing i want a character to be proactive and there's no reason why catwoman shouldn't be able to have a perfectly consensual relationship but the execution of the story comes across as 
sexual liberation or, you know, sexual control for those women is about availability. It's about Catwoman throwing herself at Batman. It's about, you know, Starfire being perfectly willing to sleep with the Red Hood and Arsenal at the same time. And it, they're trying. They are trying. I'll grant them that. But, you know, what it, what it comes across as being is, you know, more of this. This is how we think a woman could act. But we aren't getting, you know, a lot of people who, you know, like Sue Storm at Marvel. One of the things that they've done well is Sue Storm tends to have a relatively adult sex life. Even if she's trying to make her husband jealous with the, you know, the fish man. Even at its absolute base, Susan Storm, we know, has a sex life with her husband. They've had two children together. But it's not necessarily something where you go, wow, the invisible woman, you know, is, is jumping Mr. Fantastic. How does that even work? That's it's subtext. It's part of her life. It's part of her character. But it's not something where Sue Storm jumps up in our face and goes, yep, I sure have been having sex with my elastic husband. And boy, I am glad that he is rubbery and can make any shape. Yes, sir, Bob. So then let me ask you this. Should then sex in comics be treated like the Dick Van Dyke show? No. Uh, you, do you mean Mary Tyler Moore dancing around in those super tight pants? Because hell yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about they have a kid, Richie, but they sleep in two separate beds. No, no, no. It, it, oh, no. And what, what, what he's, I think what Matthew's getting at is, is that, that matter of execution and what, what yeah. themes are you trying to, to cover here or, or uncover as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and. In in both cases, I think the it comes across as artificial. It comes across as forced, despite the very yeah. consensual, very very consensual aspect of it. Um, yep. Um, although I will say that I can I can read it both ways for for Catwoman because Catwoman gets back to some place. Yeah, and Batman's there. and Batman's there, and he's like, uh, "I heard your apartment got firebombed." Like. Uh, Batman, that was last week. Oh, well, in that case, uh, I uh, saw that you had texted me earlier. (laughs) Batman, that was like two days ago. And you texted me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, in that case, uh, I'm going to, I guess I'll I'll just take off now. Batman, do you want to have sex with me? No, no. What? No, No, I'm I'm Batman. I would never do that. that. Batman, how's your belt off already? Yeah. I'm a master pickpocket, and I often practice on my old belt, which is the most complex. Can we have sex already? <laughs> yeah, the sex is already done yeah. by the time yep. he's finished explaining. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and know, there's that I'm, line where she says that it's over almost before I know it, and I'm like, Yeah, I know. That's a poor bad. That is, that is a fantastic <laughs> line. What is it? Let me see. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Still, it doesn't take long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm. I, I, doesn't sex doesn't bother me, you know, in, in this. And you know, I guess it depends on what level you're reading it at to see uh, where people can get offended at. Oh, sure. I, honestly, I think that is what it is. Is not should there be sex in comics? Is it a bad idea that there were sex in these comics? It's you got these characters yeah, that the people have. This could be better, right? People have these things attached to them Mm -hmm. they see these characters in a certain way and 
having them have sex in the way that was depicted here because mm-hmm. some people who love the Adam West character might have seen Batman get it on if if he was getting it on as Bruce Wayne. You know, if he was just like, I'm millionaire industrialist Bruce Wayne, right, pretty right. lady, you want to go back to my room? Yeah. Okay, it's Bruce terrible. Wayne. And then later on, you see him skulking and be like, still, it didn't take long. <laughs> you know, some people might be okay with that. But it's it's when it when it violates, eh, maybe that's not the right word, when it uh, when it breaks <laughs> that, that e- when it, <laughs> yes, when it breaks that expectation that people have of the character, that's when they get upset. Whether it be sex or violence, you know, the whole Batman doesn't use guns, except back in the day when he did, you know, it's like, right, right, right. There have been writers who make a big, huge deal. This is the one time that Batman, like, picks up a gun because he has no other recourse, mm-hmm. and it messes him up mentally because that's Batman. Right. Batman doesn't use guns. It's like, well, is that, you know, it's like, if that violates what you think Batman is, then sure, but does it really have to be that way? It's, you know, the whole superheroes killing people. Right, yeah. The Superman wouldn't do that. Superman wouldn't kill anybody. Like Batman wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't kill anybody. It's like Batman in most movies kills yeah. people. Yeah, yeah like yeah. He, the people get dropped. You know, guys come at him and he kicks mm-hmm. them, and they fall down a giant him, spiral yeah. staircase. And you know that they hit the bottom, and they, you know, due to Batman's kung fu, they might have been dead already, but they're certainly dead when they hit. Yeah. Hey, Matthew. Speaking of death, uh, remember Action Comics number yes. one? Superman kill in that opening uh, yeah. sequence. Throwing the guy through the uh, through the wall or smashing him into the concrete floor didn't kill him. Oh, you mean the the original or the new one? No, no, no. This one that just updated. I don't know. Could be. Okay. It doesn't explicitly say that the guy isn't dead. So, no. you know, as with with anything, he could come back in six issues as a cyborg and try and oh, kill. Oh, I mean, super- there you go. There you go. Just remember the three guys who got completely horribly disemboweled on panel in X-Men 142 or 130. Those guys all came back as supervillains. So, I mean, even if you see a body, it might not be them. All right. Oop, Rodrigo's having a fit over there. I think it means it's time to wrap this show up. I'll tell you what I've had <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, October 4th, we're doing a live show. Look for information on the website, Majorspoilers.com. We want to hear from you and interact with you in a live event, as we've done in the past, and we always enjoy doing that. And we're going to be giving away a lot of things, too. So, yay. All right, everybody. We'll talk with you soon, because we enjoy talking about comics, and we know you do, too. We'll talk with you just a few days. Yay! Or it's already over if you're in the future. Sorry. Boo. 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 If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
that away If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such a chance Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine bee In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011